Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, we are in this new series. Uh, we're just continuing now. We, we finished Salt and Light last weekend. And in a way, we're just kind of continuing, moving forward uh, now in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 over the next, you know, six, seven weeks or so. They encourage us to look at what Jesus is telling us, to look at what he is saying to us. That's what this series is all about. Because you see, and we talked about it before, this past year, for most people anyway, has been incredibly stressful. It has. I mean, dealing with the pandemic has been stressful. Contemplating all the racial tensions, that's been stressful. The changes in the way that we work and that we do life, that has been stressful. For some, the changes in presidencies, that has been stressful. The uncertainty of the stock market has been stressful. There's been a lot of stress. And I got to tell you, there are some people who go, well, I know that's true for a lot of people, but it's not true for me. I've had people say that. I mean, you know what, Phil? This has been one of the most beautiful times we've had as a family. It's been peaceful. We've all been at home. I mean, we've never had a better season in life. In fact, we hate to see it end. Well, if that's you, or if you fall on the other side of that equation, let's all keep in mind that as salt and light, we're called to live with eyes wide open and realize that uh, for those at your workplace, the peace you've experienced probably isn't the peace they've experienced. For others in your neighborhood, they've been dealing with a lot of stress and a lot of difficulty. And even in your extended family, uh, there will be members who have really, really struggled through this season. And it all boils down to one word we know as stress. And it shows up in different ways for different people. You know, stress, it can show up in the form of headaches, muscle pain, chest pain, fatigue, irritability that then can just blow up into like ugly anger and all that kind of stuff, the inability to sleep well, and stomach problems. That's just to name a few. Now, for honest, some people thought, you know what, the vaccines would solve all of this. You know, a shot or two in the arm would just drive all the stress away. But it doesn't really provide us what we all need, what we all look for and hope for in our lives, rest. Don't you want rest? Deep, abiding, life-giving rest. It's about time. Well, against the backdrop of a culture stressed out by Roman rule, racial tensions, and religious performance, Jesus invited weary people of that day to rest and find the rest that they needed by seeking the right relationship with him. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said that because he knew there were others in that society that were providing a placebo for the kind of rest that he was talking about. And as we know, placebos don't work. But it was hard for people to know this because the people who were providing this other form of rest were highly trained. And they taught that if you really wanted to find rest with God, you had to be in good standing with God. And the only way to be in good standing with God was to live by hundreds of rules and regulations that were far more severe than wearing a mask, staying six feet apart, or sometimes checking your temperature. 
These rules were so stringent that they literally made you sweat as you tried to adhere to them. So instead of rest, the lifestyle these people promoted brought about sheer exhaustion. And then in the middle of that culture, Jesus steps up to the plate and he says, you know what, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're stressed, frustrated by working so hard to keep all these rules, how about just coming to me and I'll do the work for you? Well, that's quite an invitation. It's an incredible opportunity, as long as the one making such an offer is really legit. After all, the, the culture in Christ day had seen many posers come and go, and that was stressful too. And even so, I have to imagine the people listening to Jesus that day, no matter where they were coming from, they probably just paused in that moment. Probably just listened to what he was saying, because when you've come to the point, we all know what we're talking about, when we just can't do this any longer. I just can't put up with this any longer. I've tried this, I've tried that, it doesn't work. Someone who says, you know what, if you come to me, you're gonna find what you've been looking for. It seems like something you might wanna listen to. That's why Jesus said, come to me. And by making that invitation, Jesus was reminding people of what they already knew, that they had tried many other options. And so as they listened, they also must have wondered, I mean, are you telling me, Jesus, that, you know what, I've, I've gone here, I've gone there, I've tried this, I've tried that, I could have just saved myself a bunch of time and just come to you? Well, yes, that's what he was saying. And we can relate, if we're honest, because in the midst of Christ's invitation for us to come to him, we have pursued different kind of relationships that showed up in the form of a good football game, our next promotion, a day of shopping, buying a new house, or going on a hunting expedition, or, or going to the latest movie. But do any of these things really work? They provide the rest that we long for? See, Jesus knew our tendencies, and that's why, instead of inviting people to engage with what was popular, he invited people to engage with him. After all, rest and peace are two sides of the same coin. If you want to know rest, well, then you have to experience peace, and Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. And so that's why he was saying, stop looking around you and start looking to me. I'm the one you've been looking for. Your search is over. I've been waiting all the while. Now, some have heard this statement, this invitation, said, you know what? Um, this was the only time he made this offer. And the thinking kind of goes like this. I mean, if somebody offers you something once, you might think, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe, but you might pass it by. It doesn't seem like that great of an opportunity. But if they come back over and over again and make you that offer, you might stop and might actually listen. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus invited people to experience his rest in this way. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, you know, there are people out there, they are oppressed. They feel like they're in a prison. They feel like they can't get out. I offer them my rest. That's why I came in the Gospel of John, he, he spoke about it this way. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Saying, you know, there are people, you, you're empty inside. 
and you tried all kinds of things, but you are just empty. Well, come to me. I will fill you up. I am the bread of life. Find rest in me. And then a little bit later, he said, well, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I mean, you're tired of walking around, stumbling around in your life, hitting your head against one wall after another. I am light. I will show you where to go. Find rest in me. And then a little bit later, he said, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's saying, you know what, you feel like you're dying inside? You feel like you got no hope left? Life everlasting, come to me, rest in me. You see, Jesus wasn't shy about telling people about who he is and what he offers them. And even so, some people have stepped back from all of that. They go, okay, that's great, but how could Jesus make such an offer? How could he? One person said it this way, either Jesus was the most self-centered, self-deluded person in history, or he was indeed the answer to every human's prayer and the fulfillment of every hungry soul's dreams. So think about it this way. Either if, if Jesus was selfish, if he was self-deluded, then you've got to ask yourself, well, then how could so much good have come about from his life, death, and resurrection? I mean, millions have been touched because of him. So if Jesus is who he says he is, then why don't we start looking to him? Why don't we start trusting him? Why don't we start coming to him more and resting in him more? You see, when a person truly follows Jesus, they're not following somebody who offers another man-made system, a hard work philosophy or a hedonistic theology. No, no, no. He invites them to have an experience with him. That's why he says, come And who's on that invitation list? Well, it makes you wonder. You see, I don't know about you, but I seldom get an invitation to have you know, dinner at the White House. I mean, even more rare would be an invitation for me to play quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, as desperate as they are. I still have not gotten an invitation. So who is Jesus inviting? All. All who are weary and burdened. That includes you, it includes me, it includes all of us. But even so, not everyone sees themselves this way. The successful, they don't often want to admit their weaknesses. The hurting often hide behind their seclusion. The betrayed often shield themselves behind their bitterness. And the workaholic, well, they shield themselves by running from something or to something. They're just so busy, they can't even really face what's going on inside. And Jesus calls all of them to come, but not all of them respond. And the reason why is because it would require too much humility. After all, if they really admitted their level of stress and what's really going on inside, people around them would find out who they really are. So they stay right where they are, trying to keep their head above water as they flail painfully and privately in their own pool of pride. And pride... It's a spiritual problem, and it's the wrong kind of relationship. You see, it's a relationship with pride that prompts us to wade in those waters. It's a relationship with pride that calls us to pursue even more pain rather than pursue him. It's our relationship with pride that calls us to work even harder when the work 
has already been done. We sang about it. And it's a relationship with pride that calls us to make a way for ourselves when God has already provided a better way. Pride is a spiritual problem, and it's the wrong kind of relationship. But it's exactly this kind of relationship with pride that has plagued mankind ever since Adam and Eve chose to try to be like God rather than walk with God. Because after all, if we're honest, we all tend to think we look a little bit better on his throne than he does. And it's a painful pursuit. It's littered with suffering, I'll tell you what, sin, all kinds of stress, because it prevents us from fully, really yielding to God's love, fully yielding to God's love and grace in our lives. He calls us to rest. You see, here's the truth. Pride, it dies a little more each time we admit our weaknesses. And it dies even more significantly when we come to him. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And who does that refer to? Well, Will Davis Jr. says it this way. If you are abused as a child and have trouble trusting and forgiving others, Jesus wants your burden. If you recently had an affair and you've wounded people who are close to you, Jesus wants your burden. If you've experienced a recent failure and now that failure is defining you, Jesus wants your burden. And if you're riddled with fear you don't really understand, Jesus wants your burden. And if you're addicted to food, gambling, pornography, drugs, sex, alcohol, or anything else, Jesus wants your burden. And if you hate the life you're living right now and wonder if there's really more out there, Jesus wants your burden. And if you struggle with depression that's robbing you of joy and freedom and life, Jesus wants your burden. And if you've never felt completely valued or loved by another, Jesus wants your burden. And if you feel like you constantly let God and others down, Jesus wants your burden. And if you feel like you could never be good enough to warrant full acceptance, Jesus wants your burden. Were you on that list? Jesus wants your burden. And what's the result of having this relationship where he takes your burden from you? Well, Jesus said, I will give you rest. St. Augustine said it this way, our heart is restless until it rests in you. So right now you might be thinking, okay, Phil, that sounds really good. A little good to be true. I mean, there has to be a catch. I mean, there has to be something I have to do in order to feel like all my work is done. Well, let's take a look at what he said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, it's at this point, some people say, well, there it is. There's the catch. I mean, it's right there, right in the text, because yokes are not only heavy, they're made for animals to carry, and not just one animal, but two. So it's, it's, you, at this point, you're thinking, okay, Jesus, I thought he was saying that I'm valuable. I thought Jesus was offering me the rest that I needed, and the next thing I know, I'm being compared to a cow that needs to carry a workload made for two. I knew there had to be a catch. Well, there's only a catch if we misunderstand what Jesus was saying. Many have. Many have. See, Jesus was a rabbi. 
And so to understand what he meant by referring to a yoke, we have to understand what a rabbi meant when they referred to a yoke. In fact, 200 years before the time of Christ, one Jewish scribe penned these words. Look at them carefully. It says, draw near to me, you unlearned, and lodge in the house of study. Why are you slow? And what do you say about these things, your souls being very thirsty? I opened my mouth and said, buy wisdom for yourselves without money. Put your neck under her yoke and let your soul receive instruction. She is to be found nearby. See with your eyes how, with only a little labor, I have gotten much rest. And how did they get this rest? By putting their neck under the yoke of instruction. See, for a rabbi, their yoke was their teaching, their instruction. So anyone who was willing to come under the yoke or a teaching of a rabbi would receive and they would learn from that rabbi. It's exactly why the rest of verse 29 spells it out this way, and many have missed it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my teaching upon you, and what? Learn from me. Learn from me. And in this statement, what Jesus was doing is he was drawing a stark comparison between his teachings and the teachings of other rabbis who were offering a very different kind of relationship. In fact, he talked about them later in Matthew 23. He says, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. You see, not every rabbi was good in the sense that they produced good for your life in terms of what they taught. Many times it was just more and more junk. And it was heavy. You feel like that? You feel like your load is heavy? You've been trying and working and working and trying. Jesus wants your burden. See, Jesus knew that was true. He, everyone else that was listening to Jesus knew that these other rabbis, they were offering stuff, but who, who really wanted it? And that's why Jesus said, learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and humble in heart. Well, who wouldn't want a relationship with someone like that? Humility. Humility breeds humility. And that means, you know what, if I take his teaching, if I take his yoke upon myself, even if I'm successful in the eyes of the world, I'll be humble enough to admit my weaknesses. And, and even if I'm privately hurting, I'll be humble enough to admit that and welcome others that God has put into my life to minister to me. And even if I have workaholic tendencies, well, I'll take the time needed to hit the pause button, stop running from something or to something, and start listening to him. And the result, Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. And there's that rest word again. It's like he wanted to make sure that we understood what he was offering us. But do we? A couple weeks ago, I had somebody from our church write me. And they said, the more you do something, the more you do it. The more a person takes on, the more they take on. The more time a person spends doing something, the more time they'll spend doing. I think we've lost the ability to stop in our society. In fact, I've had to point out many times over the years that if we're resting, technically, we are actually doing something because the word rest is an action verb. 
Well, the truth is, when we rest, we are doing something. But what? In the Old Testament, God called Moses. You might have heard about him before, right? He called Moses to lead his people out of bondage because they needed rest. And as Moses led, he, he would do this. He would sometimes bring God's word down to the people. Sometimes he could bring the people's words up before God. And sometimes he could bring his own words before God. Well, here in Exodus 33, we find an example of the latter. It's a pivotal moment in Moses' life. And he comes before God with his prayer. He says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. Hold on to those words. Teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. I'm not claiming them. <laughs> so in one simple prayer, Moses is doing something significant. He, he's asking God to not only bless the nation, he's asking God to bless him. And that's why Moses asked God to take him on as a student. You see, for the Jewish people, there were various rabbis you could learn from, various rabbis you could follow. And so how it worked was you would watch them, their mannerisms, you know, what, what kind of person they were. Do I want to be more like that person? And then you'd listen to what they taught. And then one day, nervously, you'd walk up to one of them. And what would you do? You would say, will you teach me your ways? Will you take me on as your student? And if they said yes, well then, you would start learning from them. So, so what then does God do? How does he respond then to Moses? He says, my presence is with you, and I will give you rest. I want you to notice the cause and effect relationship. Since God is with Moses, Moses finds rest. You see, we get this all messed up. We try to find it all over the place. But true rest is inseparable from God's presence. One always produces the other. So when we rest, we are doing something. We are seeking to spend time with the one who made us, the one who loves us. Yes, the very lover of our souls. We're pursuing the right relationship. And that's why whenever we walk with God, we therefore experience his presence and we therefore experience his rest, no matter where that journey takes us. The psalmist wrote about it. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You see, in God's presence, I find rest. And what is rest? Think about it this way, friends. It's the emotional, mental, and spiritual confidence of knowing God is with me. It's the emotional, mental, and spiritual confidence of knowing God is with me. And that takes us right back to Jesus. See, any God-fearing Jew back in the day, they would have immediately seen the link between what Jesus said to them and what God said to Moses. Remember, Jesus told them and us, come to me. Well, after Moses came to God, what did God say to Moses? He said, my presence is with you. And what then is the result of coming into God's presence and coming into Jesus' presence? Well, it's one and the same. I will give you rest. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also a problem if you're a Jew back then, because in the mind of a God-fearing Jew, no one quoted God unless you were God. 
So when Jesus promised rest for all those who would come to him, he was doing so based on the truth that what God can do, Jesus can do because Jesus is God. God's presence is his presence. God's rest is his rest. It's the emotional, mental, and spiritual confidence in knowing God is with me. Are you burdened? You tired? You angry? Bitter? Jesus wants you. He loves you. He values you. And he knows you. He knows you. Do you know him? Do you? You see, I find rest when I believe in Jesus. That, that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. And I find rest when I come to Jesus, seeking forgiveness from Christ as I seek to follow him. And I find rest when I listen to Jesus, submitting my life to the yoke of his teaching. See, right now, watching online here in this room, you know, I don't know your story, I don't know your past, I don't know what you're struggling with, but I do know this. Each one of us here, we fall into one of three groups. The first group would be those who they believed in Christ, they've come to Christ, found forgiveness, and you experience rest. Rest, you're taking his teaching and you're learning and, and you're walking in his rest. But there's a second group of Christians who are here. You believed in Jesus, I mean, you've come to him, you have found forgiveness, you are a child of God, but rest is not a reality for you. It hasn't been a reality for you. Because while you bask in your forgiveness and your salvation, you haven't really surrendered. You haven't taken his yoke upon you. So you're following this teaching and that teaching and what you hear over here and what you hear over there, but you're not listening to him. You're not taking his teaching upon you. And if that's you right now, just between your heart and God's heart, you might say, Lord, Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to learn from you. It's time that I learn from you. Teach me your ways. And then there's those who would fall into the third group that say, you know what, I, I really, I don't have rest. I, I don't even really have a relationship, if I'm honest. I mean, I've heard about God and all this stuff, but I've never really repented, not really done that. And if that's you, I would say between your heart and God's heart right now, you might pray a prayer that looks like this. It says, dear Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for my sins. Will you forgive me? I believe who you are. I want to walk with you. I want to learn from you. I want to be a child of God. If you prayed that prayer, just keep on following. Keep on learning. And why would we want to keep on learning? Well, Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you know what? Some Christians have been walking the journey for a while. They say, you know what? This is where I struggle right here. If I'm honest, this is where I struggle. Jesus says his yoke is easy. I mean, some of the things he's asked me to do, some of the things he's taught me, that hasn't, it hasn't been easy at all. 
So you struggle, but the reality is the word easy here in our text is not a good rendering of the Greek. It literally means this, to be useful, to be good, or well-fitted for you right now. So my yoke is useful. It is fit for you right now. And that's because that's why you're going to find my burden to be light. I want to challenge each one of you here today. The media, it speaks so loudly. The people at work, they might even speak louder to you. It's a confusing world out there. A lot of people trying to teach us all kinds of things. I encourage you to put all of that aside. Stop all of the stuff in your life and just seek him and learn from him. Summer's here and we want rest. I want to encourage you to really find it. See, rest, we all want it, we all need it. So let's come back every single week and invite others to join you online, others to come here, because we're gonna take a look at some of the key teachings of Christ in Matthew 6, 5, 6, and 7. We're gonna learn from him. And if we truly learn from him, we will find rest. We will find rest. And in all of this, friends, may we have the presence of mind to seek more of God's presence. Because in God's presence, I find rest. He wants that for you. He desperately wants that for you. Let's seek him right now. Dear Father, we thank you that you love us despite us. And like Jesus, you did over and over again. You just called out to people over and over again in different ways. Rest in me. God, you keep speaking to us, and many times we don't hear you. We're busy running. We think we got it handled, or we've heard some other teaching somewhere else. We think it sounds good, and so we go down that road. Lord, we need rest. We're conflicted inside. Help us, Lord, to look to you. Help us, Lord, to seek after you. And Jesus, as you tell us that you are humble in heart, help us to be humble in heart. And help us to go beyond this point where we say, you know what, I think I got this handled. I think I'm good. To a point where we say, oh, only Jesus is good. I'm gonna rest in him. I'm gonna learn from him. See, bottom line for all of us, Lord, no matter where we are, how successful we might have been, whatever it looks like, we need you. We need you. So teach us, Lord. We want to follow you. Because, Lord, we need you and no one else. Fill us up. Give us your rest. We thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.